This sermon, Anxiety Our Enemy and Prayer Our Weapon, was preached by Trey Richardson on Sunday, February 12th, 2023 at Sovereign Grace Church. It is a pleasure to be here and we always enjoy coming out and see our brothers and sisters in Tucson. <clears throat> we are your sister church and it's the same Lord that we serve and we honor and we praise and it's wonderful to be with you today. It's great to have my wife Charlotte with me. <clears throat> this morning I'd like to uh, ask you this question. How are your New Year's resolutions coming? <laughs> if you're like me, <laughs> if you're like me in February, they're typically in the rearview mirror and you wonder what happened. But what if I told you today that I had a resolution to suggest? And this resolution would be becoming free of anxiety in 2023. Becoming free of anxiety in 2023 or at least having a strategy to successfully fight it. Anxiety is something that we all experience, don't we? We're anxious because the traffic is heavy and we're running late for work, or we're anxious because the phone rings and we see the caller ID is a doctor's office, or even when a teacher pulls a pop quiz, when your car won't start, it's time to pick up the kids at school, when you begin to check your IRA and wonder how the market has affected it, or you go to the store and try to buy eggs, yeah. right? Anxiety is a menacing, menacing enemy that affects each and every one of us. The categories are different, but the problem is the same. But how about the anxiety that seems to paralyze you? Anxiety that leads to fear, to where it makes you feel like it's impossible to get through it, whatever it is for each and every one of us. Our text today addresses anxiety at every level, from Will I get there on time to anxiety that tends to be overpowering and at times even brings crippling fear? You see, Paul addresses the Philippians about anxiety in a way that echoes down through the centuries to us. 2022 has had many reasons for us to be anxious from a declining economy with shrinking purchasing power to growing border concerns and international tensions and pressures. Well, those in the Philippian church had a different set of anxiety challenges than we do. There were more first world issues, excuse me, third world issues, ancient world issues, persecution, clothing issues, insufficient shelter, clean water, daily food, these are what they lived with. Our issues are more first world, aren't they? But they're still our problems. They're still what creates the temptation to anxiety for all of us. The enemy of anxiety is one that robs our thought life of peace and joy. So this morning, we're going to be talking about the problem of anxiety but also the promise of prayer. And I want to link those two together 
Because describing anxiety as I have, that's not the issue. It's responding to it in a way that keeps it from overwhelming us. That's the issue. So as we look at this passage, we'll be talking about anxiety, but the greater view, the greater focus will be on a growing understanding of how God has provided all that we need to successfully fight anxiety each and every day. This fight begins with trusting a sovereign God. And trusting God always includes prayer. So if you walk away, or the theme of what I'd like for you to walk away with today is this. If I boil it down, it would be this truth. God is greater than any anxiety. Trust him and pray. God, our God... Our God, the one we sang to, the one we have worshipped and praised, our God is greater than any anxiety. Trust him and pray. So let's turn to our scripture. It's found in the book of Philippians. It's in chapter 4, and it's four verses, 4, 5, 6, and 7. And my points will follow those verses, but let's look at it together. God's word says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, it's my privilege to open your word and to be able to share the truth of your word with your people. So, Father, I ask your help. Father, I want to honor your word by clearly preaching from it the truth that can lead our hearts to following you more closely. And I pray, Father, for the Holy Spirit to work through me, that our view of God would grow. I ask your blessing. Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So the four points I have this morning follow those four verses. The first verse, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. First point is going to be his perspective for us. His perspective for us. Paul wrote this letter from a Roman prison to the Philippian church. They were suffering. They were being persecuted for their faith. They lived lived each day ruled by a government that was not very encouraging to Christians and the Christian faith. So they had a lot to overcome. So why would Paul say in his first command to them to rejoice in the Lord? Seems a bit out of place. Joy and rejoicing are mentioned seven times in Paul's letter here. So it's a theme that he's bringing forth to him. But each and every reference to joy or rejoicing in this particular book is tied to a situation, tied to an event, tied to a reason to rejoice, except for this one. And the way that Paul talks about it, you see, Rejoice in the Lord 
And then he includes the adverb always. So regardless of the situation, Paul is saying, church, you can rejoice. But it's not a rejoicing in the situation. It's rejoicing how? In the Lord. He's helping their perspective to change. See, he's beginning, he's reminding them of who they are as Christians. He's helping them to see their ability to rejoice in the Lord is not bound by culture or life or situations. It's because of who they are as a family of God. They can rejoice in the Lord. That's a perspective that Paul wants them to see that God brings to them. It's interesting that Paul picks this spot to begin, rejoicing or be glad. Do you find yourself rejoicing just in the midst of life? Would joy characterize your life? It does not characterize my life near as much as I want it to. And why is that? If you're like me, it's because anxiety can have a greater rule in my heart than what I want. And what I see in God's word. So to take on God's perspective in my own life is to realize it's rejoicing in the Lord. So if joy is deficient in your life, is that a result of dealing with constant anxiety? Anxiety unchecked will eventually eclipse your view of a sovereign and loving God, and your joy in the Lord will become a casualty. The right view or perspective of God has been lost. So now Paul is not saying that we're just to make ourselves happy, that we're Christians, we should be happy. In fact, if you're old like me, you can remember back in 1951, I'm sorry, 1960, I know most of you weren't even born then, but there was a musical production called Bye Bye Birdie, and Tony Bennett sang a song called Put On a Happy Face, right? Now, if you remember that, you can all look it up on Google. It says, grace guys are going to clear up, put on a happy face, brush off the clouds and cheer up. Put on a happy face. Take off that mask of tragedy. It's not your style. He sings it better than that. But you'll look so good that you'll be glad you decided to smile. You know, it's, it's put on a happy face. But that message, does that hit home sometimes with you as it does with me? Because it's easier to put on a happy face than rejoice in the Lord. So have we just learned how to live with a certain level of anxiety in our lives and put on a happy face? Have we just considered that our lives are going to have to deal with a certain amount of anxiety and we're just resigning ourselves to that? If we find ourselves just putting on a happy face over time, these anxieties, worries, fears, frets, what we just allow our minds to focus on, to worry about, that can be and will be destructive. They can erode our confidence and trust in God's care for us, in his ability to protect us in life situations, especially the serious ones. So 
We can just live with an acceptable level of anxiety, whatever that might be. All the while, it's driving us further away from experiencing the joy of the Lord. And Paul wants us to understand that it's possible. Church, it's possible to live in our anxious world, but to live overcoming anxiety. Jerry Bridges says this. He's a wonderful author now with the Lord. But he says... Accept the adversity and resist the anxiety. We typically do the opposite. Isn't that true? Accept the adversity. Typically, we resist the adversity. But resist the anxiety. We typically accept that. That's just part of life. That's just part of this difficulty. That's just part of how I'm living and the life in the world I'm living in. You see, God is greater than any anxiety. Trust him. Do we see God as greater than any fear, any issue in my life? If we do, it can allow us to rejoice in the Lord. And again, Paul uses that adverb, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats it. And again, I say, rejoice. There's something here. Paul's wanting us to say, this needs to characterize your life way more than anxiety does, way more than fear does. Is this joy in the Lord? Paul goes on in the second part of verse 5 to help us to see more clearly reasons why we can trust him in order to rejoice in the Lord. So let's move to the second verse, or the second point that we find in verse 5. The point is his nearness to us. So again, in this verse, Paul helps us to see something. He helps us to see why we can trust him. We began rejoicing in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to all. Then what does he say? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. See, Paul helps them and us to see how all this is possible when he writes this unexpected statement here at the end of verse 5. The Lord is at hand. Or it could be translated, the Lord is near. This can be an encouragement to how to live this reasonable way before others and expressing joy in the Lord. When he says the Lord is at hand, literally, the Lord is near. Now, this near that he's referring to is not like Ina Road is near you. It's like your lungs are near you. This nearness, God is literally here with us right now. He's with every believer. In Acts 2.38, we see that Paul records in the first message in Pentecost when they say, what shall we do to be saved Paul responds in verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian here today, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He is with you. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. His presence with us isn't a concept. It's not a theory. It's a reality. And Paul is helping them see this. Rejoice in the Lord. Yeah, I'm just not saying put on a happy face. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord's at hand. The Lord's at hand. Or the Lord is near. 
So this phrase about God is intentional, and it's placed here to show us where to begin as we face our fears and anxieties. God is here within every believer. Now, this is something we often don't feel. I don't feel God with me, but his word says he is. I don't feel God with me, especially in the midst of anxious anxious and difficult, worrying moments. And Paul's intention here is to help us to lift our eyes from what we fear, what we see, what we're focused on, what we're anxious about, and place our eyes on God. To the one who is greater than our fear, greater than anything that we could ever fear, God is greater. So I don't know about you, but I have a really hard time doing that. You see, when I'm anxious, it's very difficult to look past that source of anxiety. It captures my attention. I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with the disease macular degeneration, but it's where there's a, a destruction of the retina and you lose the ability to see in the center of your vision. You, you lose that vision. My mom had that, and it was very difficult for her. She could only see peripherally. Anxiety's like that. It seems to block out everything else, everything beyond. It's like looking through life, and you're constantly reminded and constantly seeing that that I'm anxious about. It eclipses our view of God. It keeps us, as we focus on it, from focusing and looking to God and trusting Him. Let me give you this example. What do we do if you would have that same experience or if that would help define how you respond, how you see anxiety happening in your life? I read a great book. I'd recommend it to you. It's written by Sinclair Ferguson. It's called Lessons from the Upper Room. And he reviews this whole discourse in John as Christ is comforting his disciples. But when he gets to chapter 15, Jesus says this, let not your hearts be troubled. So Jesus was not just saying, don't be troubled, just don't be anxious. You know better. You can do it. He was saying that we have more reasons to believe and trust in the power of God at work in us than the challenges this world has that brings us or brings against us. And he goes to this reference in Matthew chapter 8. And I like to read, I think it will be on the screen, verses 23 through 27. A familiar example, but I'd like for this example to be our focus. Jesus and the disciples. And when he got into the boat, the disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this? 
that even the winds and the sea obey him. You see, Jesus was at hand, right? He was near to them, but that didn't console them. They were fishermen. They understood about oceans and waves and water and boats, and they were afraid that they were going to die. You know, it was a real issue, a reason to get anxious and fear. But what did Jesus say? Why are you afraid? I am with you. He was there in the boat. Jesus being there didn't console him. You see, the disciples had the greatest power in the world in the boat with them. Greater than the force of nature coming against them. And they didn't see it. They saw him, but they saw him asleep. Not active not available, not with them, not aware, but just asleep. Jesus, he wanted them to see, I'm with you. And Paul is wanting us to see in the same way, the Lord is near. The Lord's at hand. Do we see it? If you think of it this way, whatever your situation is, Jesus is in your boat. He's right there. He's with you. You don't see him. Doesn't feel like it. It feels like this thing is so huge, just as it did to them. But Jesus is there. His promise. Paul is telling us. This is how you can rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. You see, there's another truth at work in every situation. A truth that points to the sovereign power of Jesus over all things and gives us greater reasons to trust in Jesus than to worry, fret, and fear. The Lord is at hand for us. He's in your boat each and every day, in each and every situation, in each and every anxious moment. In fact, Jesus is actually nearer to us than he was to the disciples because he lives in us. So we have more reason to trust in the power of God at work than the challenges of this world coming against us. Now, how do we experience this nearness? How do we focus on Jesus and not on our own personal storms? Through prayer. You see, we'll see that in our third point now in verse 6. The third point is his invitation to us. Okay, remember Paul began, rejoice in the Lord always. Can I say rejoice? Let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. Through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. You see how Paul is encouraging them. Yeah, anxiety is real. We all have it. But don't let it rule. Why? The Lord is at hand. Because when Paul is saying, don't worry about anything, he literally is saying, do not be anxious, not even about one thing. 
He's not speaking of imaginary troubles or phantom anxieties. He's telling them to stop worrying and stop being anxious. He leaves them and us no exceptions. You see, as we look at this passage, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Do something. Pray. So we can take our things, if you're like me, mine feels like an exception. Or it's been with me so long, I, I don't, you know, I can put it in a different category. Oh, Paul is encouraging us all, church. <laughs> the Lord's at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray. H.V. Charles says this, the things you pray about are the things you trust God to handle. Isn't that true? I'll worry about things and never pray about them. The things we pray about are the things that we trust God to handle. So you can see how prayer and trust are tied together. And we want to see our own, we want to look at our own lives and say, what do I do when I am anxious? Do I pray or do I worry? So Paul tells us to pray, right? And supplications with thanksgiving. Let our requests be made known to God. So let's look at those, those terms. When he says to pray, what, what he's saying there is don't just think about what you're concerned for. Don't just be rolling over options in your mind, going down roads that lead to bad outcomes, just running it over in your mind. No, pray. And supplication. That means an urgent, an, an earnest, an urgent request. This is prayer given as an expression of your trust in God. Prayer with supplication. And what? With thanksgiving. You see, an expression of gratitude for who God is and what he's done. Doesn't that help us focus on God when we remember what he has done and how he has met us? Then he says, let your requests be made known. Give them to him. Give them to him. Just like the disciples in the boat, they didn't think that Jesus could handle that. But he could, and he did. And yours are the same. He can, and he will. Let's take it to him in prayer. You see, one of the commentators said this, Anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. Think about that. Anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. Anxiety is our enemy. It's not our weapon to control the future in some way. Being anxious is moving away from trusting God, not trying to work through things on our own by constant review and thought and worry. Now, it's a good thing to think things through. I'm not saying that. We're to count the cost, just as Jesus said in Luke 12, 48, or excuse me, 14, 28. But none of this planning, thinking through, counting the cost is defined as worrying and being anxious. We worry when we're afraid that God is no longer protecting us, that he's no longer on our side, when we feel that everything is really up to us, that we're really on our own. In essence, when we don't trust God with our situation, 
like the disciples didn't trust God in the boat. We worry. We worry when things happen to us that are out of our control or things that we would never allow to happen to us or the ones we love. If I were God, I would not let. If I were God, our legislation would look different. If I were God, our judicial system would look different. You you see, but I need to trust God. That's what he's called us to do. When this is our perspective, you see, we begin to place hope on ourselves. How else can we get through this? We feel we can protect ourselves better than God can. We can even feel if we leave it up to God and trust him with this, whatever this is for you, what might God allow that we just can't handle? Basically, we can feel it's a safer outcome when it's in our hands than in his. So we worry and fret and fear our way through it. And anxiety becomes our invited enemy that affects how we view God. So remember, the passage says, the Lord is at hand. Don't, it's a command. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. Those two words are very complete. It's comprehensive. In everything, pray. As I said earlier, we can all see our our own life issues as being exceptions and our 21st century needs being too great and our problems have lasted too long, our situations too bad, whatever it might be. We can feel that way because we don't believe that they can truly be affected by something as simple as prayer. But that's exactly what God is calling us to see and understand. You see, at the first sign of anxiety, church, let us run to God in prayer. And there's a promise. As we follow that command, as we see how God is leading us to trust him, to believe that he's in the boat with us, to see him as as powerful as he is, as loving as he is. Christ walked through this earth. Christ lived here. He understands. He understands our pressures. He understands our anxieties. He understands our fears. And he's with us. Now let's look at the promise that he gives us. Because it's one thing to say, okay, yep, I, I, I need to rejoice. I want to rejoice. Uh, yeah, I see that. The Lord is near. Now, now he's saying, don't be anxious. I, I, I don't want to be anxious. I, but church is a promise that he has here. It's not just do this work so that you don't be anxious. No. It's follow this truth so you can be free. And you can allow the power of God at work in your life to bring a real difference and allow you to see, I can live this life with this strategy on how to fight anxiety and not be ruled by it. Looking at my fourth point, final point, his promise to us as we see in verse 7. But just to review, 
Remember, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let his reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let his request, let your requests be made known in the promise. And the peace of God that passes all understand will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a promise that is given to all Christians. When we pray as directed, the peace of God is our promised reward. This peace is a promised result of praying when anxiety strikes. But what is this peace? The peace of God, this kind of peace. This is the peace that God enjoys and that God gives to us. You see, the peace of God is not peace with God. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We have been accepted in the beloved This is the peace of God. And this is the only place in the New Testament that this term is used. It's describing a peace that's on the other side of anxiety, that's found through prayer, that's possible for every one of us, every believer, as we pray. God's promise. The experience of the peace of God is the opposite of anxiety. And his peace is available to you and I. The peace of God. So let me give you an example. My family has a tradition through the Christmas, Thanksgiving, Christmas holidays. We watch Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed in the show It's a Wonderful Life. We love that show. We watch it each and every year. However, when we watch it, we watch it very differently than we did the first time we saw it. We don't sit anxiously wondering if George Bailey is going to go to jail or if he can raise the $8,000 or if Clarence gets his wings. Right? Why? Because we've seen the show. Because we know what happens. Right? We're confident of the outcome. We can peacefully, not anxiously, watch the movie. And that can be our similar experience in life. The trials are different, but God remains the same. Rather than anxiously responding when trials press in hard, we can remember how this story goes, how God controls our future, not our troubles. How time and time again we have seen God's unfailing love expressed towards us, seen it in our lives, hear it in his word. And while the end of the trial remains unclear... How God is trustworthy. He writes our story that will one day certainly end in victory. We may not see that victory, but we will one day. And because of who God is and what he's done, there's much greater reason to trust God than to fear the future. Remember, Christ is there with you. He's near. He's at hand. He's in the boat with you. We should know how this story goes. He's holding me. He is with me. He is more powerful. He's ruling my life. I can trust him and pray. 
So God offers us the opportunity to experience his peace every time we're tempted with anxiety. He invites us to come to him in prayer. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will do what? Guard your heart and your mind. You need them both. Your heart and how I feel. The control center of my life and my mind, how I think. Because this is the battleground. This is what God has promised. He, he has given us his presence and he gives us his divine peace through prayer. One of the commentators said this, by nature, man is totally unable to comprehend this wonderful peace as is a blind man to appreciate a glorious sunset. How do you help a blind man experience what he can't see? You describe it to him and help him to experience it. So how does God describe his peace, this peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding? How, how does he help us to experience that peace? Because it sounds great, but in the midst of my temptation to anxiety, to fear, how, how can I get handles on that peace? How can I get my arms around understanding how to experience that? Well, it's by how he's given to us his great and precious promises. It helps us to see his ongoing part in the story of our lives, his involvement in the story of our lives, his presence in our boat in the midst of our storms. For example, in the midst of that anxiety, when you feel alone in your struggle, remember 20, Matthew 28, 20, where Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You don't feel me, I'm there. Yes. Or when you feel helpless against your fear, how about 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is manifested in your weakness. How when you feel hopeless that I'm going to live with this anxiety, nothing will ever change. How about 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Or Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things? How about when we feel like this temptation is just too strong? It's just too strong. Well, the Lord said through the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but will provide a way of escape that you might be able to hold up under it. How about the fear of what will happen next? I can't see that far, Lord. That blind spot. We'll go to Psalm 31:15, where the Lord says, My times, or the psalmist says, My times are in your hands. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. When you feel like because of this anxiety, I, I don't see how things are going to work out. Romans 8:30, 8:28. 8, 
And we know that for those that love the Lord, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You see, his promises. How about when you think God really doesn't understand? He doesn't see how hard this is. Oh, go back to the Psalms. Psalm 56, 8, where it says, You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Do you see the closeness of God described in his word? There for us to see the peace of God is found there. These are indicators. These, these are ways that we can see how to experience that peace is to trust in what we see in his word. And the promises are for us. They're just not for the person next to you. They're for you. Your anxieties are not greater than the power of our God. We don't know what happens in our country, what will be happening this next year. Things have happened this year that we would never imagine. But our God knows, and he is with us, and his peace is there for those that pray. See, we desire, we all desire for God to answer our prayers and bring miraculous answers to meet our very real needs in the moment. And that'd be wonderful. And at times God does that very thing. However, God promises more than that to us in our text today. He promises us the very peace of God. His own peace. He gives it to us in the midst of our temptation. He's with us. So we've all experienced the reality that anxiety, fear, and worry never bring us to a place of peace. They, those fears are deceptive suitors. They sem, seem to offer an attractive course of action, but it never ends well when we follow the path of anxiety. Remember, God is not affected by anxieties. He offers to us his peace, the peace with which he lives. That means that regardless of the trouble that comes our way, God is with us. God is at hand. God, I would add, is in your boat. He's there. He's there to bring peace to our souls. This peace is a peace that's beyond what we can understand, but it's not beyond what we can experience because of God. It's his promise. H.V. Charles has this quote that I love that. I found this so helpful. He says, let me give you a single formula to make sense of life's problems. If you have a big God, you only have little problems. But if you have a little God, you have big problems. Isn't that true? In church, we pray about those things we trust God to handle, right? God is greater than our problems. So in conclusion, that theme that I wanted you to remember, I'm going to repeat again. God is greater than any anxiety. Do we see that? God is greater than any anxiety. Trust him and pray. So to apply this, as we look to follow the direction of Scripture, when you worry, when you're anxious, 
run to God in prayer. Let that be in 2023 your way of thinking in dealing with life. Spend more time praying about our situations than thinking about them. Because church, thinking and praying are not the same. Praying is when I take those thoughts to the Lord. Typically, we just think over and over. Take those thoughts to the Lord in prayer. And there's a promise that awaits. Let me leave you with this verse out of a wonderful hymn written by Fanny J. Crosby. What a friend we have in Jesus. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer.